0: This episode is brought to you by Self Pause.
1: This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. D.
0: Wallace.
2: No. Red, no? Redness? No. And swelling when their skin nope. is warmed. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have this.
0: Yeah, Ray's <laughs> just, just as surprised
2: as we are to find
0: out it's a real thing. <laughs> I am. Because he's pretty sure he made it up. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name's Will, and joining me, as always, are my friends and co-hosts, Ray and Kat. Hello. What's going on? Not much. Just allergies, mostly, like I was telling <laughs> you about just a moment ago. I'm going <laughs> to complain about them every chance I get. Hey, on today's show, we'll be speaking <laughs> with 1980s icon Dee Wallace. Everybody knows who Dee is, right? She was everyone's mm-hmm. mom in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Oh, over the last 40 years, she's she's been in something like 400 TV and film uh, productions. Uh, and she started a number of our favorites in the 1980s in particular, including The Howling and Cujo. And of course, uh, the blockbuster film E.T. and The Extraterrestrial. Mm-hmm. Which was, it, which broke Star Wars's box office record at the time and held that record until Jurassic Park came out. Another Spielberg uh, film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's also the best-selling best-selling author and has been a respected authority on the art of self creation, which sounds like a real hippie thing, right? But I I buy into this, and I'm not a hippie. <laughs> but surprisingly, she's been doing. <laughs> Why is Ray making that faces? He's not. I'm, not I'm not wondering a, too. I'm a new age hippie, so what is that? You're is that? about as close to a hippie as anything else.
2: Hmm. No way. I'm more hippie than that? Will is.
0: I know Ray used to call me something. What's that new term that do? Uh, uh, oh, I don't remember hmm. metrosexual yeah that one but that i don't know hipster hipster yeah hipster yeah. Yes, that's what i was thinking of yeah there you go <laughs> just just pick something derogatory i've probably yeah, said you well. mean, yeah a <laughs> uh, black jean wearing lawn mowing mm-hmm. something you know something about
2: because <laughs> uh, that's a major insult skinny jean
0: <laughs> oh to his friends <laughs> yes oh he wore a purple oh, shirt laugh and black and laugh skinny laugh jeans. And laugh. And mowed his lawn one day. It's all a lie. We did. They made it up. It's yeah, not I'm a sure. lie. It's a lie. It's not a lie. Yeah. We saw you. You saw it, you- and you supposedly, and then told your friends about it during a fantasy draft one year. Anyway, D's new book—it's is our sixth book, "Born"—just came out, and it's it's out. It's about the concept of self-creation and expands on the law of attraction. Are either of you guys afraid? Uh, afraid of? Familiar, maybe afraid even. <laughs> maybe <laughs> familiar with these ideas. Yes, you are? okay. Mm, nope, yep. no. I mean, we can talk <laughs> maybe about it it's later.
2: Time, right. it's, maybe time. it's time, right? Maybe it's time. We could talk a little bit about
0: more about it after the news. But yeah, the, basically, the idea is: what you put out, you get back. You know, and mm-hmm. it has to do with the attitude mm-hmm. and the words you use. All right, mm-hmm. hey, let's get caught up on nineteen eighties news. Hey, in 1980s news this week, will Alex Van Halen play at David Lee Roth's final show? Mm. Uh, as you know, we just talked recently again about David Lee Roth's uh, retirement, which he announced in October. Uh, at the time, in a lengthy f- farewell message, he, he he suggested that Alex, uh, his old bandmate and drummer of Van Halen, would Alex Van Halen would be joining him in his final appearances in his, his Vegas, you know, residency. Now, in an interview with Spin Magazine, Uh, Wolfgang Van Halen, uh, the son of uh, the late Eddie Van Halen, cast doubt on that reunion. When he was asked if his uncle would appear with Roth in his final shows, Alex said, I don't think so. (laughs) And Spin uh, responded, isn't that what Dave said? And Wolfie said, yeah, I know. I I don't know about that. And And he laughed. He continued, I haven't talked to Al about it, but I mean, it doesn't really sound like something Al would do. The thing with Van Halen that people should have learned right by now is that if someone doesn't, if it doesn't come from them, it's not true. And Al hasn't made any public statements about this, so I wouldn't expect it. If he didn't say it, it's probably not true. You know, I was thinking in light of the recent story that we talked about on a week or so ago, where <laughs> where uh, Roth took credit for the look of the Eddie's Frankenstrat. I don't know. Now I'm questioning everything that Roth says.
1: Well, everything he <laughs> says has to be taken with a grain of salt. Okay. I'm sure this was a conversation that he had with Alex.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: and maybe Alex, maybe Dave said, you know what would be cool? You should come play drums on a couple songs or something. Yep. On on the tour. And Alex probably went, yeah. Shook his head or whatever. And immediately Dave just said, all right, it's done. It. <laughs> that was the conversation. That's how things get done though. Like now- you know. I think Alex will show up. You think he will? But I think it's going to have to actually be when Dave says, all right, this is it. 2035, this is it.
2: In 2035? Yeah.
1: His
0: 17th retirement or whatever he was told. As long, well,
1: he's already said as long as the tickets keep selling, this thing just keeps expanding, so...
0: If I, you know, if we took uh, everything David said with a grain of salt, we'd uh, have high blood pressure at this point, I believe, because...
1: <laughs> well, basically, he's just the original yes. doomcock.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, wow. you know, I'm rem- All right. <laughs> what I'm reminded of is how much you, Bray, uh, look up to David and his style. Absolutely. He is the greatest frontman to mm-hmm. ever
1: live, ever will live, um, best singer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You don't have to have, you know, range. Or anything like that to you be know. a great singer. He proved that.
3: Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, More along the more lines, I was thinking about your storytelling. You know, where you earlier told us you were allergic to cold weather. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> s- still spin it's a yarn true. about mowing the lawn in black jeans or something
1: like that. <laughs> Which is not true. Hey, you cannot let facts get in the way of a good mm-hmm. story. All
3: right.
2: There's a tall tale connection happening here mm.
1: for sure. <laughs> if you let the truth get in the way of a good yeah. story, you're doing it wrong.
0: A tall, boring tale about me mowing and my lawn in skinny jeans.
1: <laughs> oh, I tell that story amazing. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gardening gloves involved. Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> it just keeps going. And, <laughs> and the electric lawnmower. Yes. Oh, that's uh, true. That part of the story is true. <laughs> <laughs> Battery powered, though. It didn't have a cable or a cord. Oh, hey, in other nice. 80s news, per Variety, Warner Brothers TV lands Goonies Project at Disney+. Plus. We all know that Goonies Never Say Die is a memorable catchphrase from the uh, one of our favorite films from the 1980s, and that could also describe how Warner Brothers TVs uh, recently worked as hard as they did to keep the Goonies-inspired untitled film reenactment project alive. Um, so we talked about this, and this, oh, this is one of those things I was talking about earlier. When I was digging through our archives, I didn't realized this was from 2020. I would have thought we talked about this in 2021, but okay. it turns out in February of 2020, we spoke about this then uh, newly announced uh, Goonies TV project, uh, which is about, you'll remember this, it's, it's a drama where a teacher helps students recreate, shot for shot, the original movie.
1: Oh, I absolutely remember this. Yep. Cause I was saying we could do this too.
0: Yeah. And, and at the <laughs> time regarding this project, this is what we said.
1: Oh. It, it just seems like it's going to be bad. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to do? If they're out of ideas. Yeah,
0: I, I, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, who asked for this? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel any differently about this, but... Me neither. I was kind of encouraged it had disappeared, but apparently, no, it's still alive. Uh, it, at the time, or some time ago, they did create a pilot uh, that uh, it was being pitched to Fox, and Fox passed on it because they felt like it skewed too young for the Fox network. But Variety just reported that the series, which is now titled Our Time, of course, a reference to a line in the film, is being redeveloped for Disney+. Plus. Uh, the Donner Company and Amblin, which were behind the original film, are back and, and the, uh, this original TV project are back on board. Um, I still don't want to see this. I don't know what it is. I don't want to see it. <laughs> hey.
1: Originally, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Yep. There's no way this could be good. Yeah. And then I started watching like some TikTok videos since then. (laughs) And now, you know, (laughs) and I realized that the general public is a bunch of morons who find stupid funny. So this, this thing is probably gold. Yeah. Oh, this thing is, this thing is going to go over
2: great. Yeah. It'll probably be popular. Yes. It'll be
1: super popular because like I said, I watch these videos and I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just don't get it. How is this getting views?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. And, and constantly on Instagram or Facebook where they have these reels or short videos that are like recommended to you, I, I get, go down a rabbit hole flipping through those mm-hmm. and so many dozens. I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> what have they done? Why is this interesting? Why is it being recommended to people? Makes no <laughs> sense to me.
1: And I keep seeing these same stupid ones over and over again. Yeah. And I don't get it.
0: Yeah. or people lip syncing to some audio clip from something else like a comedian? Yes.
1: Yes. I'll just watch the comedian. Why do I want to see you do it? I don't understand (laughs) how it's legal to take someone's audio and just do your own skit on TikTok. There's
2: some kind of processing thing that I just can't do for those videos. My daughter will say, mom, look at this. And I'm like trying to read. And the music is totally derailing me. And she just wants me to see like the kitten. And I just can't. I can't process oh, all I'm, of it. I'm <laughs> telling
1: you, I'm about ready to just steal everything George Carlin did and turn it into TikTok videos. Hey, <laughs> no problem. And, just, and no one will know it's him. They'll think it's me. Because yeah. I'm just lip syncing to every bit he ever did.
2: Yeah. Do it, Ray.
0: Do it. You should. Mm. Hey, in other 1980s news, per Ultimate Classic Rock... Uh Nikki Six's first this is I love this story. Yes. Nikki Six's <laughs> first girlfriend had no idea he became famous. <laughs> so in, in Six's neck a new book rather, the first twenty one, it chronicles the years leading up to his career as bassist and primary songwriter for Motley Crue. A Six, who was born Frank Ferrana? Is that how you say it right? Close enough. Ferrana? <laughs> Ferrana. Firana. Farana. Uh, well, just yeah. Uh, Frank Farana got- Jr. <laughs> He tracked down many people from his past for the memoir, including his first girlfriend, Susie Maddox. Uh, Alex Abramovich, I'm going to say, the co-writer of The First 21, found no trace of Maddox at first on on social media, but instead he found a landline for Six's X. That already is like... <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Do you guys have
2: landlines? Not anymore. Yes.
0: Oh, Ray does. You still have one, Ray? Of course you have
1: to have a landline. I don't have
2: one. We had one as recently as like, I think it was three or four years ago. I didn't want to let
1: go of it. If you're going to call, uh, they might be giants landline, you should do it on a landline. Oh, I see. Just for the, yeah. To get their song of the day.
2: Oh, I've never done that. Hmm. (laughs) Okay.
0: Don't and don't. And you can do it from your cell phone. Anyway, back to this. Okay. Uh, Reluctant to connect with her directly, though, Six asked Abramovich to make the first call. He obliged. And when Maddox answered, he explained that he was working on a book about Frank Farana. 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 Oh, boy. Farana. Okay, we'll say it that way. I can't help you here. According to Six, Maddox said, oh, I remember Frank. Yeah, whatever happened to him? (laughs) <laughs> I love this. After beating around in the bush for a moment, Abramovich revealed who Farana had become, Nikki Six, of course, leaving Maddox quiet on the other end of the phone. Finally, she <laughs> said, you know, I had the Dr. Feelgood album in my hand. I heard some songs on the radio and I liked them. And I turned it over and looked at the band and thought, that guy looks just like my first boyfriend. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I'm calling bull <laughs>
1: on this whole story.
0: Oh wait, why? What? Really?
1: There is no way in hell his first girlfriend doesn't know that he's Nikki Six. It's H- impossible,
2: huh? I I think you're projecting. There are
1: there are people around her who <laughs> yeah. obviously know that's him. Hmm. So like all the people they grew up with, yeah. You can't tell me they didn't know that he's Nikki Six.
2: It sounds like she's pretty disconnected, or she's one of the
1: dumbest people. Yeah. On the planet. And she should start a TikTok uh-huh. of comedian yeah. stuff, but use well, Nikki Six's oh. audio.
0: Yeah. She should lip sync uh, Dr. Feelgood or something like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I call both <laughs> on this one. There's no way in hell this is true.
0: This well, is to sell books. Okay. Now let's think about this. We don't, I look, I didn't read the book. So I don't know. And I don't know how that would sell a book, but I think it's a cool story. But well, because now we're talking about it. Well, that's true. You're right. I guess we're making known that the book's out there. That's right. But the, um, I'm trying to think like, I don't know when he became popular relative to dating her. His first girlfriend could have been at 14 years of age. He doesn't make it till he's, you know, 19, <laughs> 20 years. He moved out of town. He's in right? LA now making it. You know, he uses a fake name. I don't think he'd have to still remain in touch with those folks back home for someone like you saying. I I, I get what you're saying. It could be true what you're saying, but I I could see why it, she could also honestly not have known too.
2: There are people yeah. who have never watched Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, but those no, people know who Luke
0: Skywalker is.
2: <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs>
0: they may not know who Darth Vader is relative to Luke Skywalker. And for, mm, her, don't to claim, yep. for
1: her to claim she had no idea who Motley Crue was until yep. Dr. Feelgood, hmm. Theater of Pain had already come out. Home Sweet Home was one of the biggest songs on the planet. Mm, uh,
0: that's a decent point. Yeah. Well. <sighs>
1: Look, and he, you, yeah. you, she obviously saw at least one of the videos yeah. and it's not, he, oh my God, he looks like my, my ex-boyfriend. Like yeah. he is your ex-boyfriend. He looks exactly like him. Yeah. Uh, if you see him in an interview yeah. and she's probably like, man, he sounds just like him too. It's
0: crazy. Um. I Look, I want to get to Nikki six level. Okay. I want to get to a level where some <laughs> ex of mine is like, oh, what is Will doing now? I didn't know that. <laughs> that I'm envious of this. I'm that kind of person, okay? Hmm. <laughs> I gotcha. still call Shenanigans on this. I mean, my exes don't know I do a podcast now. We have to get this show so big that my exes find out about it. <laughs> and we, it has to be such a good show that they actually care. All right. <laughs> How do we do that? I'll just give you their landline numbers because I've been I've been keeping track all this time. <laughs> All right. Hey, speaking of music from the 1980s, according to the German website, dw.com, Eric Clapton wins a case against a German woman selling a bootlegged CD. So, uh, this, as the story goes, a German woman who bought a, who, uh, I'm sorry, a German woman put up a single bootlegged CD of one of Clapton's concerts on eBay and asking uh, for about 11 bucks, uh, uh, f- for the uh, CD. She was sued by the legendary and now anti-vaxxer, uh, rocker eric clapton the woman insisted she didn't know she was in this is this is about the tiktok people right so maybe we can get them after right the woman insisted (laughs) she didn't know she was infringing upon copyright law uh, and instead claimed the recording which was uh seems to have been uh, taken at a concert uh, of clapton's in the 1980s had been purchased by her late husband at a well-known department store in 1987 the judge ruled It didn't matter if she purchased it herself or not and whether or not she knew it was illegal. Uh, Instead, the the court issued an injunction stopping her from selling it and requiring her to pay the legal fees of both parties, which amounted to about $4,000. Wow.
1: (laughs) Lars Ulrich should go buy roses and a thank you card and send them to him Uh because he is now (laughs) the biggest douchebag in all the history of rock. (laughs) Seriously, man, you've got enough goddamn money and you're worried over an $11 bootleg. You know what? I'm going to go find a bunch of bootlegs and I'm going to sell them on the black market and see what you can do about it there, Clapton.
0: He's not speaking on behalf of 1980s now. He's gone rogue. Maybe I am. No, he's not. He's gone rogue, Mr. Clapton. (laughs) Clapton's a jerk. Yes,
2: yeah, I understand the principle of the thing, but that's so petty. <laughs> so yep. so petty. Oh my goodness!
1: I think people yeah. should come to his shows and literally just throw their CDs and, and records and cassettes at him, yep. and just whip them at him. And right on the front, you suck <laughs> bootleg. <laughs> yeah, They just should throw bootleg the bootleg on CDs.
0: On. They should make copies just, of the same just,
1: one. They just they should just throw boots at him. And legs And legs <laughs> Boots and legs A leg in He'll the boot He'll get the point
0: <laughs> Who the hell's leg is this?
1: That's a lot of people this is, uh, Seriously This is the biggest dick move I've ever heard of in rock Yeah it is An $11 away. bootleg And he's worried about it yeah. Like originally I thought maybe this was his people Yeah Who were concerned about His legacy or something Right Or right. whatever But no It turns out it's him He's got nothing better to do Than go on eBay and Amazon And look for his <laughs> sh- For sale
2: Right. I, I was wondering, how did he find out about
1: this? Like, <laughs> literally, though, he could have just bought it for the $11. Taking it off the market, yeah. Taking it off the market and throw it in the trash, and it was gone. That's and helped true. It. That <laughs> is
0: really true. Yeah, what <laughs> kind of point is he making? I could see if there was a huge market or flooding the people. Yeah, that are flooding the market <laughs> that's the other things. thing is, how many bootlegs are
1: out there? One. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much people care about Clapton anymore. Yeah. One bootleg Ooh.
0: for $11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. In fact, the, the, according to the way the, the court ruled, see, they didn't order her to destroy it. They didn't order her to, you know, send it to Clapton. Instead, she still has it. And part of the ruling was that if she does continue to offer it for sale, then she faces a different fine of $280,000, you know, whatever the euro's amount is, or six months in jail.
1: If I was her, I would donate it to the Smithsonian yeah. as a piece of history. Cause that's all he is at this point.
0: <laughs> yeah. And get vaccinated.
1: It's, it's not even cl- I vaccinated yeah. for Christ's sake. What's uh, he doing? <laughs> yes.
0: It's not clear what songs were on the bootleg, but according to ultimate classic rock Clapton's August album was released in 1986 which was just a year before this uh, bootleg was sold at some department store, according to this woman and live <laughs> shows followed that year and throughout 1987. Um, The only song I could think of off of that album was uh, the one from Color of Money. Uh, It's in the way that you use it. Uh, Mm. Otherwise, I I don't know that any of the other songs on that were worth bootlegging.
1: He doesn't have any song worth bootlegging.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I shot The Sheriff pretty good. That's from a whole other era. I don't even think that's his, though. No, well, yeah. No, it's not. It's, uh, what's his name? uh, um, That's a karaoke song that he did. (laughs) Yes, right. Just like (laughs) Tiffany, right right right. <laughs> alright hey that was 1980s news alright hey hey if you like the show you can join us on Facebook uh, and watch it live it just seems mm-hmm. like we've been doing this at least for the last uh, few weeks and we're doing it right now mm-hmm. and there's folks mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. sending in comments uh, Kathy regarding Eric Clapton's story says that maybe uh, she should make copies and give it away oh yeah the woman yeah that's a way of protesting yes oh, yeah. make, make a thousand copies the hey, uh, but if you do like the show and you don't want to join us on Facebook, please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things that are free to help us. Seriously, what are you waiting for? It's the holiday season, but mm-hmm. if you've got a couple of dollars, go over to, uh, well, you know what you could do? You can go over to 1980snow.com slash support, and there's a number of different ways that you can find out how to support us for no money mm-hmm. or for just a few bucks. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, but yep. you have to explain that because Amen. see, we, we talk about the Patreon a lot where you just give us three bucks a month, Yeah. but you could just give us a one-time donation. Yes, you can buy. Like if you coffee, think, if you thought, uh, yeah. yeah, if you thought the the Eric Clapton joke was funny, give us yeah. three bucks.
2: Yeah, <laughs> three dollars per joke. joke. Right,
0: <laughs> and write in the note there. This is for that Eric Cra- Crapton. <laughs> Crapton, there you go. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> Eric <amazing>. Cra- <laughs> Eric Clapton <laughs> joke. So we know, and then you know, then Ray will get. We'll give him forty percent of that. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right, hey. We, as we mentioned in a little bit, we're going to hear from we're going to hear from D. Wallace. Now, uh, to, just to be completely upfront with you, this is the audio from a Facebook Live interview that was done with you just a couple of weeks ago. So, if you've seen that video, you've heard the interview. But if you haven't and you want to see the video, go to Facebook. You can find it there, or um, you can just hang in there and you'll hear the audio in just a moment. Um, but as we mentioned in, in the outset here, uh, D. was in been in over four hundred different TV, uh, you know, f- has made over four hundred TV and film appearances. Starting in at least the 1970s, she's appeared in a number of different shows that we love, you know, small parts here and there. But of course, the the things that I think of most often associated with Dee in the 1980s is The Howling, Cujo, Critters, and E.T. Yep. So, um, Mm -hmm. oh shoot, I didn't. Huh, all right. And we, but but (laughs) (laughs) I just, my goal, my my point was to pull an interesting thing about each of these movies. (laughs) And I I just forgot Cujo altogether. But uh, we we do How speak with we Cucho. do speak with Dee about uh, all these films actually, and she does provide some interesting insight, including the number of dogs that were used to uh, play the uh, rabid uh, Saint Bernard. Saint Bernard, thank you. Yes. When do you guys remember first seeing Dee Wallace? E.T. Yeah. I would
1: say the first, yeah, the first time she's recognizable, and you're like, oh, that's Dee Wallace, yeah. is E.T. Yeah, because think- you'd already seen her in.
0: Cujo, I believe, is before that, right? It's actually Howling, E.T., Cujo, howling. Critters. The, how, the yeah. Howling, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, it is It is weird because I, I'm pretty sure I saw the Howling first and probably yeah. on videotape. I don't think as a kid, so what, we were like 10 years old, 11 years old. Something when E.T. Like e. came out, I didn't recognize her. And I think, honestly, I was so naive as a kid that I wouldn't even put together like, oh, that same person could be in another movie. I think I just probably right. thought, this mm-hmm. sounds like such a dumb 10-year-old.
1: That's a real person almost, you know? Nah, like, nah, now, see, one of my favorite <laughs> things to do with my son is yeah. when we watch a movie and yeah. I go, do you recognize that voice?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, um, I think, I forget what it was. We were watching, I think, The Princess Bride. Okay. And uh, Wallace. Oh, Wallace Shawn. Is yeah. on there. And he plays, he he he, he has a,
0: a cartoon he does the voice for. I can't remember what it was. Toy Story. He does the voice for Toy, Toy, Toy Story movies, yeah.
1: And then when we watched Princess Bride, I said, Do you know who that guy also did? Yeah. And my kid nails him every time. Wow. That's like,
0: cool. <laughs> based
1: off the person or the voice, he'll mm-hmm. nail it every time. It's, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, not everybody can hear that. That is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I look, I did jot down a couple of interesting things with regard to some of these films I thought was, uh, and we do talk a little bit about um, this in, in connection with uh, the interview, during the interview, but The Howling, for example. Uh, Dee had a clause not to be nude, and as we speak in the interview with her, or she couldn't be shown changing into a werewolf. So I've always wondered this for years, because if you do remember the moment in the howling, spoilers for a 1981 film, she is like anti-werewolf the whole movie. But then at the end, she, to, to let the world know, she's a reporter, to let the world know about the werewolf threat, she changes into a werewolf live on camera. But they don't actually show her change. They show her. She has like eyes, like contact lenses that make her eyes look weird. She has fangs. She shrieks. They cut away. They cut back to what looks to be like a puppet of an Ewok. I mean, it looks <laughs> like a teddy bear. It is <laughs> quite something. You know, it's
1: shoot. the cutest little werewolf you've ever seen.
0: <laughs> let me see if I can You're
2: find You're making me want to see this dash. movie. Oh, it's
0: a, oh, it's oh, a fantastic it I found, movie. I found it. Yeah. yeah, found it. Here we go. Let me show you this. Can oh, oh. you see that? That is what she turns into. What? It looks like a ewok, right? I mean like a
2: rabbit ewok. Wow. Anyway, yeah. yeah it was, or it, like oh. a like a I mean, mutant baby Chewbacca. Or yeah. Yes. What?
0: Yes. <laughs> kind of like the the uh the child ewok on uh on the that's holiday them, special. Their, uh, yeah, yes. That's one of them their shit zoos.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So you know, Dee Wallace is in uh, critters. Uh, and who she's in? She's in that with uh, Scott Grimes, right? Scott Grimes is the uh, kid in that Critters, I believe, right? Huh. Yeah, Critters. Yeah. Um, yeah. When destroying the bedroom, one of the Critters finds and tears apart an E.T. plush toy. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, nice. This, so this came out about uh, four or five years after E.T. came out.
2: Mm-hmm. hmm
0: And then with regard to E.T., and this is where I start to uh, transition into talking about self-creation. Oh, Look, if you don't believe in this stuff, that's fine. And Dee doesn't care either because I asked her about this. She has, you know, Mm -hmm. in her book, she, well, anyway, she, she has, uh, you know, she, look, (laughs) she (laughs) tells this interesting story regarding E.T. about how, you know, she was at a point in her life where she had auditions, but wasn't getting work. She had auditioned for used cars for Steven Spielberg and she didn't get the part. And then... You know, she had already been practicing again, what's called self-creation, which is essentially, uh, saying the words that this is how I do it. And this is one way of doing it. Right. People write stuff on boards. You know, you have those. So why isn't it working? Well, that, that's the thing. That's really the trick (laughs) of it. Right. Seriously. Why isn't it working? You, you're assuming that I'm doing it. Oh, you're not doing it. (laughs) That's see, that's the real trick of it. Ah. I'm going to tell you about our sponsor in just a moment here. Ah. But, uh, That's the trick of it. So part of it is, again, people do boards. What do they call those boards? Vision boards. Vision boards. Okay. So she did a vision board. And that's one way of doing it where you write down on a board. You put pictures up of the things you want to achieve. You focus on it. You meditate on it like once a day or sort of, or uh, in addition to that, you just say the phrase, you just say the words. Like she could, at the time she tells this story, she had a vision board and she was uh, focusing on, or uh, let's see how she says the phrase, uh, I don't remember what she said, but she, she, (laughs) Oh, intention. She said, I held the intention. (laughs) Okay. So what she did was she said at the time she desired to be booked in a big feature film that Mm -hmm. had major players, good co-stars and a great director. And she said throughout the summer, she held that intention. So part of it is Mm -hmm, having mm -hmm. it on the board. Part of it is just saying those words like I am in a successful, I am in a blockbuster film. You see, you say it in the way that it is true. Okay. I am in a blockbuster film. I got this. I am in a film. that's amazing. But you got to say the words, right? I'm saying the words. In your what head? Are you, saying? you can say them out loud. No. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to
1: tell me what I'm supposed to say. Well, it depends what you want. Like, oh, I, I am on yeah. an amazing podcast. You, you will go. give me $3. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, an abundance of Patreon
0: supporters. Seriously, that's the kind yes. of thing we're talking about.
1: You right? will go to Spotify and give me a five-star
2: <laughs> review. This is not Jedi mind tricks. You're not, <laughs> this is you. Yeah, yeah, you try to hypnotize <laughs> listeners.
0: That's not how it works. <laughs> do the
2: serpentine, Ray.
0: <laughs> the idea of this, and again, I buy into this, man, is that the, if you, look, the way D explains it is, look, we're all energy, right? Everything is energy. So what mm-hmm. do you do with that energy? Mm. If you What about it, a sloth? Sloth puts out some kind of energy. But I don't know that a sloth has, look, I don't know anything about the intellect of a sloth. So well, let's stick to humans for now. All right. We'll get to yeah, sloths in her, just, she'll just get curious. to sloths in her next book. But you, you're putting out energy. Whatever you put out, is going to come back because the universe, whatever that is, is going to say, <laughs> and look, I bet yeah. you've experienced this in your own life. Oftentimes we see things we see. That's a crazy coincidence. Probably not. Right. The fact that you were putting something out and then something seems to match it that came back, it's less likely a coincidence and more likely it's related to the energy you were putting out. Now, now yeah. I am saying it sounds like a hippie that Ray was calling me earlier. I don't do just, do yeah. You
2: get what you give. There and- you go. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, John Lennon. Some of these folks,
0: you know, <laughs> and I've read a lot of these different books, they refer to it as the law of attraction. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and the thing about this, which is, look, this is true. This is stuff that's been observed in science as true. On a molecular level, oh, subatomic level, where scientists mm-hmm. have noticed, like looking at quarks that seem chaotic, that the longer you focus on them, they start actually having uh, what they're taking uh, having order
2: to mm-hmm. their movement. So mm-hmm.
0: on a subatomic level, this is even true. But anyway, my favorite quote comes from Wayne Dyer, who's a, a guy who's been writing about this subject for a long time. He passed away just a few years ago. But, and he was, well, okay, he he often paraphrased this uh, quote from uh, Thoreau, from Walden. So I'll just give you that quote, because this is a great quote from Thoreau. If one advances, and this is a book, by the way, that was written in the 1800s, right? The Walden, right? Walden. Mm -hmm. If one advances Mm -hmm. confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. The way Wayne Dyer used to say it is, if you move confidently in the direction of what you want the universe will conspire to, in a goal that you want. The universe will conspire to help you achieve that goal. Huh.
1: <laughs> this is the same thing David Lee Roth said. Oh, no, no. He's, when he no, said, no, no. hummily bibbly zeebley bop.
2: Oh. It was I, longer than that. Hummily biblily zeebley boobily hummily bibbly zeebley bop. Bozdy bozdy bop. zibbly bop. Yes, yes, yes. Please, both of you are wrong. <laughs>
0: What I thought Ray was going to say is when he said that he created the Frankenstrat. Like he was going to nah, will nah, that nah, into nah, existence. Nah. Well, he, he really has
1: did. actually. He did. He's now willed it into
0: existence. The Frankenstrat or the truth that he created it?
1: The the truth that, you know, once he says it three times in a mirror, it's no, truth. All right. Look, look, don't listen to Ray. He's
0: a sponsor today.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Who uh,
0: is our sponsor today? Hang on. we will get to you in a second. But mm-hmm. so Dee did this and, and then- uh, she winds up getting later that year uh, an offer to be an ET. Now look, she's an up-and-coming actor here. She said, usually you have to audition for these roles. She was offered it. They just said, do you want to play the mother in ET? And you know, the, again, you can That's write cool. this off as, you know, uh, the audition and used cars was enough to get her the job in ET. The one that she didn't get, maybe. But, um, so anyway, whatever you, you'll hear more about this when we talk to Dee. I believe in this. It's true. But the this see, happened see, to me. Uh, yeah. My,
2: my current You're gonna be job, an ET? Hold on. <laughs> no, the current job that I'm in yeah. is a situation that I imagined mm-hmm. like, Hey, that would be great. Yes. For various reasons. Yeah. And I kept talking about it like, Hey, I'd like this. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of kept looking into it and I sent an email to somebody. And then I, I just kept thinking like, that would be really cool. And then, Lo and behold, it happened. Like I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there was no guarantee that there was going to be an opening for what I wanted, and yes. it just like right at right at the time that I was ready for it to happen. Yeah, there it was. So the most I powerful way mm-hmm.
0: to do this is literally say these say words out out loud. Mm-hmm. So you're you're feeling like your finances are low. You say, "I am a magnet for money." Seriously, you say it throughout the day out loud. No one has to be around. You huh. don't have to mean it.
1: I'll tell you what, my coworkers are about to get
0: sick of this phrase. (laughs) But I need $3. I've done this. And then a a random check shows up in the mail. Uh, You overpaid something (laughs) from a few years ago. And it's like, and I'm not surprised anymore when this happens. It's again, I'm not surprised. Years ago, I was like, oh my God. I'm not surprised that you overpay for (laughs) either. (laughs) Electric lawnmowers. (laughs) Here's your refund for your electric lawnmower. But you know, this does bring me to our sponsor because seriously. In this oh example, yes, there was. We were going to talk about the sponsor. Yeah, yeah, I really. And then Cat the sidetracked you. No, Sorry. she did not No, she gave an example because Ray said, yeah. "Why isn't it working?" <laughs> the biggest challenge, I think, is that one, you forget to do it; two, you might not have the words sort of on the tip of your tongue of what to say because life happens, right? And, mm-hmm. and seriously, this is where, <laughs> and this is where our sponsor comes in. Uh, <laughs> this This episode is brought to you, uh, brought to you courtesy of self pause so as i mentioned like decades of academic research have led us to understand that the power of posit- the power of positivity and yet as Ray suggests many days certainly lately it's hard to re- have a positive attitude you and got e- that right and even though the, this power as i'm explaining to you is as easy as just uttering a few up, uplifting words it's still hard and, and sometimes the challenge is is not knowing what to say or just forgetting to say something at all or say it routinely Self-Pause is an app that makes daily access to positive affirmations a simple matter. On the Self-Pause app, you're able to write down and record your own personal affirmations and listen to them with meditative music playing in the background or nature sounds or nothing at all. Just hear your own voice. And you could even schedule reminders loaded with a particular affirmation. So I'm going to speak with Cassandra Peterson and I'm afraid I might do a terrible interview where it's not going to go well, or she's going to, you know, be a terrible guest. I may start having an affirmation. That's like, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a good listener, you know, I'm yeah. a good listener. Mm-hmm. I'm a good conversationalist. Right. I'm a good interviewer. Right. And I could set the time for it to start, you know, sending me this affirmation reminder, you know, an hour before the interview. So it helps mm-hmm. align me line the universe in that mm-hmm. way to make that successful. Now Ray will make a rice crack during our ad here.
1: All I was going to say is, is I do like the sound of my own voice. So I could, I could definitely get into this.
0: You can. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. But the app, let's say you don't even want to talk or do it yourself. The app also features hundreds of professionally recorded affirmation meditations for every area of your life. So you're worried about your finances, your relationship, school, your confidence, business anything there's different categories you can pick and you can hear a pre-recorded message from uh, from someone about an affirmation that again is these claims as D says where it's these I am statements uh, mm-hmm. you can learn more about self pause by visiting their website selfpause.com or you could just go and download the self pause app today on the app store or from google play and start changing your life one affirmation at a time i am about to do that yeah it's really cool
2: <laughs> wow
0: Okay. Hey, enough. Uh, whatever that was, me uh, trying to convince Ray. I think we did. I think we. I think we worked.
2: Ray was uh, secretly doing yeah, uh,
1: it. Yeah. Positive affirmation. Yeah. I'm going to. I'm telling you. Moving forward, I will be screaming. I want my three dollars <laughs>
0: all day long. No, that's not how you do it. You said that's what it takes. <laughs> no. Positive. I, I positive am. Positive. Thinking. Am. At least start off it this way. I am. I am wanting my $3.
2: <laughs> it's okay. Now, when you Let's later start. say, why start. isn't
0: it working? You you know. <laughs> you know th- th- when you say, why isn't it working? This is what but I'm going to be. But I'm positive. I'm positive <laughs> that I want $3. Why it's not working. <laughs> Hey, in a moment, let's uh, hear more. Let's hear about this from an expert who's been talking about this for 30 years and has appeared in a number of our favorite 1980s films. She's going to talk plenty about those too, not just about self-creation. When we return in a moment with our guest today, Dee Wallace. In the 1980s alone, our guest secured her place as both a scream queen and everyone's favorite TV and film mom. And in some films, she played both. Uh, she's appeared in over 250 films and TV, mo- uh, TV shows, including Critters, The Howling, Cujo, and the record setting, Blockbuster, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, of course. Uh, she's also the best-selling author of five books on the art of self-creation. And she's been re- regarded as an authority on that subject for over 30 years. Uh, her latest, Hey, and if you don't know what that is, don't worry because her latest book born, which was just published. I mean, days ago, expands on the concepts of the law of attraction and simplifies what we're talking about here. Everything you need to know about the power of self-creation it's available on Amazon and everywhere else books are sold. Please welcome to our live stream here today, uh, Dee Wallace. Hey, Dee. Hi. Hi! Oh goodness! are <laughs> so
4: excited. We're on!
0: <laughs> this is a real showbiz. The show must go on moment. You know, you gotta. You
4: bet, baby!
0: Right? don't
4: uh, like life, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Now, you used to, you, you've done live theater before. You know, you certainly you've started out doing the live theater. Yep. Did you have any situations? People dropping lines. Uh, the power goes out. Uh, the curtain doesn't rise. Anything you have to keep you on your feet of like course. that? Of
4: course. When yeah. I did Annie Get Your Gun at Starlight Theater, yeah. uh, the director insisted on using real guns. Oh, wow. Not, yeah. not real ammunition, right. right. real guns. Okay. And so, of course, there's a big scene where we have the shoot-off, right? Yeah. And so he shoots and I shoot and he shoots and I shoot and he shoots and... And I don't shoot, <laughs> and it doesn't shoot. Yep. And I mm. just looked at the audience, and I said, see, this is why I do films. And everybody <laughs> cracked up, you know. And and uh, then I looked down to the orchestra pit, and I yep. said, all right, drums, help me out. Boom, and they gave me a thing on the drums. So, oh, mm. yeah, it always happens. You've just... You can't panic, you know? You just have to be in the moment and have fun with it.
0: Right, yes. And so for folks who don't know, we were on, which we thought we were on at eight o'clock, promptly on time, but we weren't. And Facebook said, we're sorry, we can't help you, which is what usually happens when you have an error with Facebook, but we're back because we're tenacious. Um, (laughs) So, uh, you know, thinking about, again, you started out in theater, et cetera, but um, uh, what, what inspired you first to pursue acting even at all?
4: I was born. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simplest answer I, you know, and I really believe that. I think yeah. we're born into kind of what we're supposed to do, unless somebody tells us we should do something different. Mm-hmm. And then we don't follow our own knowing, we don't follow our own choices, and we tend to live lives of quiet desperation. Mm. But not me, my mom, thank God. My mom was a beautiful actress in a local theater in Kansas City. Uh, So I watched her affect people all my life. Mm. I remember sitting in church and people from four counties and states would come to see my mom perform. And people were grown men and women crying. And I went, oh, I want to do this. I want, I want to affect people like mommy does. Mm. And, you know, she gave me, we were so poor. So she bartered her secretarial services to get me what we called back then elocution lessons. Mm. (laughs) And, um, um, I learned a lot of readings and started performing around town and, uh, did a lot of performing in Kansas city and graduated from the university of Kansas with a theater education degree, taught a year of high school and said, man, if I don't get out of here and live my dream, I'm never going to get out of here. So I left, Mm. never been out of Kansas in my life. Everybody said, Oh my God, you can't go. It's so scary. What makes you think you can make it? Nobody knows you. You don't know anybody. And I just thought, thank you for sharing
0: yeah (laughs)
4: i'm
3: going
0: (laughs) it's it's amazing to me and i'm sure we'll get into it as we talk talk because i I want to cover two things your career which you know folks that are fans on this page which is an 80s 1980s page are familiar with a lot of your
4: uh i would hope so yes
0: (laughs) but uh, they may not be as familiar with your other sort of you know uh path let's say uh but it, it which is about what we referring to, you know, at the beginning here of of this act of self-creation. What's what's most surprising to me, even as you tell that story about leaving Kansas and wanting to pursue acting was, you talk about in an earlier book of yours, Bright Light, how challenging your early life was. And and yet it seems surprising to me that uh, unlike I would say most people, what happened in your childhood didn't diminish the light or the hope within you. How was it that you were able to still maintain such a sort of, I guess, you know, a wide-eyed optimism? It seems, at least, for some of these tales.
4: Uh, you know, I m- my home was a real dichotomy of joy and Christmas and church, and you can do it, Dee Dee. You can do it, and alcoholism and suicide mm. and poverty and. But, you know, guys, we we never lose our light. Mm. We just use our stories and our excuses to let it dim. Mm. And I I just never did. It just wasn't who I was. And it's really not who any of us are. But like we were talking before the show, we're not taught that we have a choice. We always have a choice, and that's the first thing you have to enter into if you want to create anything in your life, is you have to consciously choose, I'm choosing this and I'm doing it. Right. And then you have to commit to it. Yeah. Right.
0: What's amazing to me, so many things about your your story that I didn't know that are just fascinating is, because ultimately, you, you know, you're writing books now. Uh, on self-creation. And I guess, can we, can we give sort of a, you know, an elevator pitch about what that is? So when we refer to it, folks know what we're talking about. We can get more into the
4: details. Well, yeah, everybody thinks creating your lives, manifesting what you want, making the money you want, getting the relationships you want, having a healthy body, creating success is some elusive kind of thing that you just are lucky if you can figure it out or, or create it. Well, it's not true. There's a definite formula Mm. and it's an easy formula. I mean, I have done now over 250 films. I'm Emmy nominated actress, blissfully happy in my life, have three films coming out when they're saying, you know, there's no work for older actresses. Mm. Right. I said, again, thank you for sharing, (laughs) but I'm going to create what I want to create. Right. So I have three films coming out, um, maybe a recurring on a really great TV show, which I can't mention. We're waiting to see what happens with it. But in any case, I'm just really happy. And during the pandemic, Um, I channel, I'm a clairaudient channel and I got up and I went, Oh my God, how am I going to make a living? All the studios are closed. And my channel said, D the studios aren't your money. Your consciousness is your money. Mm -hmm. So I got up every day and I said, all right, what can I create today? And I have had two of the best years of manifesting I've ever had. And, but, you know, yeah. as you believe, it's delivered to you, baby cakes. Right, yeah. So you have to look at your belief systems. And if it's, if they're not in alignment with what you want, then you get to choose new beliefs. Yeah,
0: I, I think it's, and you know, it seems to me that before you had a, you know, a way to articulate uh, this concept in your life, you were already living it. This story you tell, I think it's in bright light about Hal Prince, who folks who don't know is legendary, (laughs) legendary Broadway producer, uh, was looking for a, uh, I guess, a a newcomer. Yeah. Maybe you should share the story.
4: Well, uh, I got the newspaper, the New York times at the high school that I was teaching and Hal Prince was looking for an unknown to star in what became A Little Night Music. And I had already planned on moving to New York. I already had my ticket. I had everything in place, my little one room apartment. And um, so I wrote him this incredibly cheesy letter and I sent him an even cheesier picture of me on the bed going, to So embarrassing when I think about it now. And three weeks later, his assistant called me and said, Mr. Prince got your letter and he would like to fly you to New York to audition. And I went, oh, well, what day does he need me? And she told me, I went, oh, this is just wonderful because I already have a ticket and that's the day I'm landing. What time does he need me? Well, not till <laughs> five o'clock. So, you know, he wouldn't flown me first class in the whole yeah. deal, right?
3: <laughs>
4: so the day I arrived in New York, I took all my belongings, put them in a cab, gave the guy my address and they got there. And I made my way down to Rockefeller Center got down to the last five girls in the acting and the dancing. And then they said, well, Mr. Prince would like to hear you sing now. And I went, oh, I didn't know we had to sing. And she said, well, dear, it it is a musical. (laughs) So Mr. Prince says to me, it's okay, honey, sing happy birthday. (laughs) And the accompanist said, what key? And I went, somewhere in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) but you know (laughs) most people wouldn't have written the letter or taken the cheesy picture right and Mm. put themselves if you don't put yourself out there you know my mother used to say to me deanna don't you say no to the world Mm. let the world say no to you right right if it's Mm. gonna it will and then you can go Handle it, you know, go somewhere else and create something else. But most of us spend our time going, oh, I shouldn't and I can't and I don't know and I'm not old enough, I'm too fat. And we're saying no before the world ever has a chance to say yes to us.
0: Yeah. Even that's amazing. Like you're saying, your mother's already using the language of self creation. Yeah. Before you have it.
4: My mom was. I'm sure she's Saint Maxine up there, yep. <laughs> giving God one for his money, baby. <laughs> she uh, she was wrong, one strong woman, and everybody asked me how I play all these strong mothers, and I said mm. because I had one.
0: Mm. Right. Very good. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of, let's see if I can pop this on here. Speaking of strong mothers, you know, uh, an, an speaking example.
3: Speaking of.
4: Something from the 80s that's yeah. still affecting everybody today. Oh,
0: my goodness. Right? Yes. And you, you know, you, you, there's so many tales. Again, early in your career where you're folks, she's living the life that ultimately she's able to, you know, share that you're meeting all these, the right people that are helping lead to one thing into another. And you don't, you know, you have at least in, in, in you explain it as being maybe naive at first, that you're so naive that maybe you don't, you don't, ha- you're not filled with the, the doubt that maybe somebody who is more exactly. knowledgeable might have.
4: When you're naive, you're you are naive you you do not have the fear yeah. and you don't have the doubt. You just, I'm just gonna go to New York and I'm gonna be a star. Yeah. right? <laughs> and well, here I am. So uh, I'm a big believer in naivete. Yeah. And I'm, a, I think that was mm, so important what my mother taught me that you don't ever say no. You always say yes. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, my, uh, my mom, my mom, my mother, who, and the reason why I really am familiar with these concepts is because I think it was after my mother was or maybe while she was going through chemotherapy, you know, I don't know, it was 15, 20 years ago now, um, was learning about these things and passing on all the books to me. But even as a young age, she would say to me, don't, she would say something like, you should accept, if someone offers something to you, you should accept it. Because they wouldn't offer it if they they didn't want you to have it. And I had learned up until then that, you know, like you're talking about, I'm too, I'm not worthy of it. You know, you might need it more. Um, I don't know, that idea you say about being small, Um, and now I try to, you know, teach my kids about these concepts and it's very simple to tell them what Nana says, that idea that if someone offers it, just like the universe, if the offers, if the universe is offering it because you've been putting it out there that you'd want it, you deserve it. Take it.
4: Yeah. Um, I want to give you all the desires of your heart. I believe Mm -hmm. that's in a really important book somewhere,
3: Mm Yes.
4: you know, and the universe is like, your significant other. Mm. It wants to give and receive from you. And most people think giving and receiving is an entirely different thing. I have coined a new word for it called resigive. Mm. Uh, okay. Because giving and receiving is kind of like a big bear hug with someone. Yeah. As you're giving mm. the hug, you're also receiving the hug. And that's how the universe works with us. Mm. If you want to understand it in scientific terms, which I go into in Born, I think the beauty of Born is that I, in the girl next doorway, in a really simple, fun way to understand, I explain why spirituality, religion, and brain science are all saying the same thing. Mm. And we're electrical beings, They measure our heart through electrocardiograms. They measure our brain through electroencephalograms. So whenever we have a thought or a feeling, it shoots through our body and shoots out Mm -hmm. as an electrical impulse into guess what? An electromagnetic universe. So whatever we send out, good or bad, positive or negative, the universe looks for that socket yeah. mm. that it can hook into. Mm. Just like if you if you want to watch the program that you want to watch, you have to tune it to the mm. station mm. that's going to mm. connect that program. For The universe works the same way. Right,
3: yeah. So yeah. if
4: you get up and say, you know, I'm not worthy and I'm not smart enough, the universe will mirror that back to you the best mm. it can. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, we've got a question here. Let's see. Hi, D, my cousin, Danny. Oh, wow. This is Danny Pintaro's cousin, maybe? Wendy? Oh. Uh Danny starting in Cujo with you. Was there any moments during filming that you were afraid of the dog?
4: Never. No. Mm. Never. Let me first say, I woke up every day thanking God I got Danny for that part. Mm-hmm. That kid was so unbelievably amazing. It was like working with another adult. It, it, he was but we were never afraid of the dogs. Those dogs were so well trained and they were all trained to go after toys, guys. Mm-hmm. So it was all a big game for them. And we we actually had to tie their tails down with fish <laughs> wire because they were wagging them all the time. <laughs> so there were a total of 13 dogs. There was a jumper, there was a barker, there was a digger, you know. And there was a vet on set all at all times and Carl Miller the trainer even slept in the barn with his dogs.
0: Oh.
4: They were better taken care of than I was for sure.
0: <laughs> you remind, you know, the, the the films you did during the 1980s, it reminds me that uh quote, famously attributed to W.C. Fields that never work with children or animals. Yeah, You've well, I wouldn't have had a
4: career, would I? <laughs> <laughs> I love working right. with both of them, by the way.
0: Right, right. Uh, and certainly, let's see here. Oh, here's a here's a more recent uh, photo of you with a couple of your 80s boys there.
4: Yeah, my um, sons at it, a convention.
0: Yeah, you've got to feel like a proud mom of sorts that, you know, both these gentlemen, all the folks, you could add Scott Grimes in there from, you know, Critters, and they all have successful Uh careers and grown up to be seemingly, uh, you know, wonderful men, too.
4: Absolutely wonderful people, all of them. Scott, I got hired on my series, Together We Stand, uh, after we did Critters together. Right, right. I was very, I was so impressed with him during Critters, and I mean, I was instrumental in having him come in, right, to audition and uh, told my producers how much I loved working with him. And my God, I look like a baby.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, thinking about, uh, your early work and again, talking about uh, self creation, such a through line there it seems like with so much of your many of your performances in your in your roles there you tell a story about how even your role in ET seems like something that the universe conspired with you to create yeah
4: I had auditioned for used cars I don't know a year and a half or but Stephen works very far ahead and in the interim I had been involved in this. philosophy called conceptology, which was the precursor of all of the, you know, Mm. how to create your life things. And um, so I had written out exactly what I wanted. Now, the big thing that I want everybody to understand is you can't force stuff. Mm. The universe is going to create it a lot better than you ever could. So I just listed everything I wanted, and I spent a lot of time feeling love around it. And two months later, my agent called and said Steven Spielberg would like to offer you mm. the role in ET, which is like unheard of, you know, right. in uh, in the business, at, as young in the business as I was, especially. Right. So, uh, yep, yeah, that's. That's how that I've created two series like that, just knowing what I wanted. And of course, the universe brought it to me in better ways than I could have ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Your job is just to know what you want and feel excited and joyful and a lot of love around it.
0: Right.
4: And then the universe will go, oh, let's go play there.
0: Yeah. It is. what. So what is it that you think, and you write about this in Born, and again, folks, these concepts are simple to grasp. And, you know, well, I guess it, I think it's easy for people that, you know, look, let's be honest, because, you know, I, I've talked before the show, I told you, I buy into, you know, most of these ideas. And I try to live my life that way. There's still barriers that pop up, and you've got to sort of, you know, remind yourself.
4: Well, that's yourself, life. That's, that's the learning curve. Yeah. That's what we're here for.
0: Right. But how do you, I guess, how do you respond to folks that hear this kind of you know, talk and see, but that's, come on, that sounds like a bunch of hokum. It's just nonsense, right?
4: I say, thank you for sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Look, if people don't want to get it, I'm not going to make them get it, (laughs) but if they're ready to get it, they will get it in this book. If they read and apply what I have in this book, their life will change. Yeah. I think. No question about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
4: You know, I, I I sent it to Dawson Church, who is a major scientist in the mind manifestation field. He gave me a beautiful quote uh, in the front of the book. Uh, it's, it's not just spiritual people. I have scientists. I it, It's just amazing how many people get it. Yeah. Because, you know, when you hear the truth you know it's the
0: truth. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And I appreciate folks who might, again, hear it or hear talk about this and think, that's wacky, right? That's just wacky stuff, but it it, it it jives so much with your own personal experience. If you start to understand the concepts, then you start seeing, oh yeah, wait, this does. And even in small ways where folks think, I'm just having a bad day. I lost my wallet. Now I got a flat tire. Well, wait a second, let's pause for a second. Three bad things happen to you this week. Maybe it's not just bad luck, so to speak. You know, what are you, yeah. take a pause and examine, and, and then f- may realize that, okay, what what Dee Wallace is talking about is true. I see it in my life here. Um, yeah, that
4: that kind of sounds like the belief, oh. <laughs> you know, when I create something really good, something yeah. bad has to happen to
0: you know, and hey, there's a comment from my mom here. Joan, hey mom. Oh now, she, uh-huh. she says she agrees with universal energy. This is sort of what we're talking about. What response do you have for folks that say you, D, are just lucky?
4: Well, I w- I say to them, I am and I manifest my luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. do. I I manifest all the things that come to me. I mean, in the last chapter in Born, I, I wrote all the miraculous things that happened during the first year of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I put it down on paper, how things would just come to me or one day I got up and I said, all right, what can I create today? And the first thing I heard was write the book. Mm. So I did.
3: Right. Yeah
4: one day um i said okay what can i create today and they said do a movie Mm. i said what do you mean do a movie Mm. create a movie so my daughter and i created a short film and a lot of the horror icons and i got together we did it COVID specific with a little GoPro camera that we mailed to everybody and they filmed themselves as Gabrielle was directing from her phone. No kidding. It was, it's a 20 minute love offering to all the horror films. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's called stay home. (laughs) Right. Because we were all being told, Oh, you're, You've got to stay home to be safe. Well, none of the people in stay home were safe by staying home. But that's what I mean. If you get up every day and go, oh, my God, I can't create anything. The world's against me and and I can't get a job. And and how am I going to? It's like you're putting that into the universal computer.
3: Right.
4: You cannot find a way out of that. Until you go, "I'm choosing to create." Yeah. I'm choosing to create right now. What can I create?" And then your computer, your brain, can start connecting possibilities for you.
0: Yeah. I think it's Brené Brown that says, like unspent creative energy isn't benign. Like if you just hold on to that, you know, you're asking for trouble, you know? Yeah. Um, speaking of you're know, talking about that horror film and, and getting back to some of your work here, um, you know, starting back with Wes Craven's then controversial Hells Have Eyes uh, and then your work to the 1980s, you, like I mentioned at the intro, you, you sort of cemented your place as a scream queen, if, if only for your scream and the howling, which is still haunting.
4: <laughs> it's haunting. And you know, the story behind that, yeah. Joe said to me, Well, Dee, you you don't have to really scream, save your voice. We'll put it in post. And I went, Joe, oh, (laughs) oh my God. I said, Joe, at least give me a shot at doing the scream. And he went, all right. So that's my scream, and they just echoed it.
0: Oh, my gosh. But that's that's
4: really my scream. Yeah. And then the little Bambi werewolf at the end, Yeah. (laughs) I added in my... In my contract, for some reason, it was important back then that I would never appear as a werewolf. Oh. So I was doing Cujo, and Joe called me and said, D, everybody that sees the movie in the screeners, yeah. uh, audiences want to see your character turn into a werewolf. I said, I don't care, Joe. I just, I really don't care. You have my permission, but could you make. It, it a little more vulnerable since I fought so hard again. So mm. Joe, with his beautiful sense of humor and Rob Boteen came up with that little Bambi werewolf yeah. <laughs> at the end there.
0: Yeah, it is cute. It is cute. It looks kind of like an Ewok, but it is it yeah. is adorable. I didn't know yeah. there was a story there. I thought I thought, well, you look you're, you're an attractive woman, so they thought we well, have have to make a you know attractive, and also you were a good uh. person. You weren't uh, a bad werewolf. You were a good yeah. werewolf, yeah. so you had we're to look different. <laughs>
4: Yeah, yeah, but I'm not even under the makeup. That's all an animatronic. I see.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't see your transportation. transport, uh, Transformation. Yeah, which we know. Yeah, Rob Bottin, that genius uh, who did so many of those films oh, in the 1980s. Such
4: a genius and such a nice man. Yeah. He's, and he's, I cannot believe you guys don't have any questions for me.
0: Oh, we got another question here. Let's see. We got a question. Okay. Uh, Amy asks... Oh, speaking of horror films how did you get cast as cynthia strode and, and being one of michael okay so this is rob zombies halloween yeah uh how is it that you came to be cast in rob zombies halloween
4: rob called and offered it to me mm. rob loves working with older established actors and mm. he's really good to us i think i've done four films for rob now um i adore him He's the sweetest man. He and Sherry are one of the sweetest couples I've ever met. Uh, he's a genius as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, and then and then uh, I I died going down the bookcase.
3: Yep.
4: <laughs> and 3 weeks later the producers called me and said we need you back. I said I've already died. They yeah. said Rob <laughs> wants to kill you better. <laughs> <laughs> so then we went through the hall and went through the glass table and did all yeah. that. <laughs>
0: uh, got another question here about your work. Sorry. Uh, oh, I see. Lana asks, did you enjoy doing Grim?"
4: Oh, I love doing Grim. Yeah. I, I didn't particularly like how I looked. Mm. <laughs> you know, they do it all with CGI. So yeah. we didn't get to see it until it aired. So I called the producer the next day and went, really, you had to give me a hook nose. Really? <laughs> we had a good laugh about it, but what such a sweet company, uh, good actors. Yeah. Really, really had a good time.
0: How is it that you've come to work so often in horror and sort of horror adjacent? Uh, I,
4: you know, I didn't go looking for it. Yeah. um But I, I love things that allow me to do a lot of emotional work. I have a pretty deep cavern of emotional work from my childhood. Mm. And um, I love to play big arcs, like starting out like the the victim in the first of the Frighteners that turns mm-hmm. into the murderess. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, horror films are just the genre. They give you the most opportunity to do those things. So they found me because I was believable at doing all that full emotion stuff. And I was vulnerable, little blonde. And and then I went, gosh, I I kind of like doing this. (laughs) I kind of like doing these now. I don't like doing I don't like doing slasher films right right. you know that's not what I do but really good horror films with a story I mean Cujo to me was never a horror film it was a suspense film about a mother who would do anything to protect her child again watched my mom do that Mm -hmm. Um, so the Howling for me was a story about the light and the dark and the good and the evil within us mm-hmm. and how we were fighting that. So went right along with my healing work, you know.
3: Oh, it, it's yeah. kind
4: of funny. Yeah. It's been half of my life doing horror and the other half of my life helping heal people from fear. But for somehow it works just great for me. And
0: it's to our benefit 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 that that the one, one, you know, your one one sort of, you know, uh, practice doesn't keep you from doing the other because, you you know, we love all these. these
4: these No, you do what you love and you do everything you love. One of the biggest things I work with clients on is, well, should I do this or should I do this? I said, well, why can't you do both? And there's this long pause. You mean, you mean I could do both? I said, do you want to do both? Well, yeah. I said, well, if you believe you can do both and you love doing both, then do both. Hmm. I mean, I do my healing work. I do the conventions. I write my books. I do my movies. You know, I live a really varied life that I love and I love all of it.
0: Hmm. We've got to actually we received an email prior. No folks knowing that you were going to be on here from Scott saying what figures from the 1980s were influential to you on your pathway to self-actualization, he writes. Um,
4: oh, to self-actualization. Um, Deepak Chopra and Neil Donald Walsh hmm. were two of the biggest ones. Um, and I, I know it sounds corny, guys, but my mom hmm. Hmm my mom and my grandmother, um, just really strong, God-fearing women who were way beyond their time. Way, 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 be- they were in the, the women's movement and talking about self-actualization when I was a little girl in the 50s. Wow. So, and my brother, my older brother, uh, was a minister for years before he went to work for Nixon and started the first of what was the precursor to the Affordable Care Act. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and he worked his way through seminary shooting pictures for Playboy my whole family is a dichotomy (laughs) so to say that yes you know we're just (laughs) um and i that's why i'm i'm so bent on everybody knowing that you can be spiritual and have a lot of fun and have a good glass of wine and create everything you want and god's gonna love you
0: yeah yep yep uh thinking about, thinking about uh You said earlier I shared one image where you said you had a baby face. Let's take a look at this. Uh, Oh dear lord! What kind of
4: pill is that? Oh my god!
0: I thought this might be a pro. It's a Christmas scene there. Where
4: (laughs) did (laughs) you find
3: that clip?
0: Can you send me that clip? Yeah, I found, actually found it on YouTube, but I, well, I cut it. I cut you out of the long, the whole episode is on YouTube. So you have that little oh moment earlier. Oh my too.
4: goodness. Let me tell you how that
0: <laughs> happened. Yes, please.
4: It's another great story of manifestation. So I had just gotten out of here from New York and you couldn't get on the lots to meet the casting directors. So I did what any good Midwestern girl does. I baked <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. And I wrapped them up in beautiful cellophane and bows. And I drove to the guard gate and I said, hi, I have deliveries. And he said, okay, go on through. (laughs) So I was taking the cookies to all the casting directors. And the last one was the head casting director, Ruben Cannon. And he came out as I was leaving his cookies for him. And he went, oh, chocolate chip cookies, they're my favorite. Come on in. So I went in to talk to him. And as I was sitting there, he got a phone call. And it was from that show. And he said, the waitress, the girl who's supposed to play the waitress is really sick. We're supposed to shoot in a half an hour. What should we do? And he covered the phone. He said what size do you wear? I said, what size do you need? (laughs) He said, I think it's a four or a six. I said, that's me. (laughs) He sent me over there. I learned my lines real quick. I stuffed myself in that little outfit. (laughs) And then what you didn't see before that is he'd had a heart attack or a, a, a heart episode, right? And the director said, well just improv this part of it. And I went, so I did what you would do. I, you know, I went and I loosened his tie, you know, and I went, somebody, you know, and and was working with him and and we stopped the rehearsal and the director came over and said, Mr. Sullivan requests that you don't touch him, please. <laughs> I said, What? <laughs> He said, Mr. Sullivan request." he said, I I know, Ms. Williams. I said, it's Wallace. Okay, so the only way I could figure to do it before the scene that you saw was to play it like a dumb, blonde waitress. Oh, my God, oh, my God, he's having a heart attack and somebody, because I couldn't touch him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, you have to send me that please. It's yeah, on absolutely. YouTube.
0: It is. Yes. Lucas Tanner wow. is the Lucas show. for folks. was wondering. my
4: first, that was yeah. my first film gig in LA because
0: I baked chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Again, but again, another exec, you said another example of you, you get what you put out. That's right. Um, you know, what's interesting to me is we talk about it as the law of attraction, but when we folks think about just law of attraction, you learn in elementary school or that, uh, you know, old adage about relationships. We're not talking about opposites attracting, right? We're talking about the energy you put out, you get the same energy back. Not I'm negative, I get positive or vice versa. It's, so when we talk about yeah. attraction, it's a different kind of attraction. It's not the magnetism as in opposite poles.
4: Well, and sometimes energy that's opposite of you can complete you. Mm if okay. it's positive for you hmm. if it's positive for you
0: i see oh yeah okay you know it it, it makes me wonder you know thinking about it, as, an, as an actor for all these years you have to work with other folks you're in yeah. charge of your own performance you can't make anybody else better or worse or different nope how does it work with this idea of, of self-creation I guess I'm trying to, can you manifest something for someone else? Or do you, nope. should we even, that's going to be something we're looking to do. You
4: can support them. You can love them. You can encourage them. But ultimately, if they don't make the choice about what they want, hmm. they're not going to manifest it. No.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Okay.
4: You, you see parents hmm. trying to do that for their kids all the time. That's true. Well, yeah. you are going to do this. And you are going to be that and you are going to graduate here, you know, and that's what they get.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So I think we should wrap up. I know we've had you for a while, but I I know you referenced in your books and maybe this ties together. Both things we're talking about in your most, you know, the the role, the role that certainly for us warmed our hearts the most in E.T. You talk about how E.T. the, you know, the sort of the parable or story of E.T. itself is a good example of self-creation. Can you explain how that is?
4: Well, I think I did earlier that I, oh, okay. I, you know, I created that. I mean, I mean in life. the context,
0: I thought you meant in the context of the character of E.T. He wants to go home. Oh,
4: he yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's by any accident that the universe brought me this film. Um, my whole healing work is I'm keeping your heart open and living in love and most of all, loving yourself. And it really is keeping your heart light on and you get back to the home of you. Mm. You get to where you want to go when you create it through love. So if you want money, guys, love money. Mm. Most people want more money while they're really pissed off that they don't have it. That's not going to create it for you. Most people are trying to create a relationship by saying, well, I don't want a relationship like the last guy I was with or the last girl I was with. Not going to create the one you want then because your whole focus is on what you don't want. You only want to focus on what you do want and feel a lot of love around it, and it will find you.
0: Right. Right. Very good. Well, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for all of your work uh, for being a part of our lives. You know, uh, many of us who are on this page, you know, are 70s and 80s kids. So we grew up again, uh, being afraid with you in certain horror films or, you know, uh, or uh, I won't say because my mom's watching, I believe still. I won't say wishing that you were our mom because I had a great mom. But um uh, hey,
4: mom! I have a beautiful <laughs> movie on Hallmark right now called "Every Time a Bell Rings." You'll love it.
0: Very good. Uh Thank you so much for your time. Dee. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dee Wallace
1: is awesome. Yeah.
2: Yes, I really, really enjoyed listening to her.
0: Yeah, and
1: if anybody could get me to think positive, positively about wanting my three dollars, is D. Yeah.
0: Our, yeah, our, our, our 1980s movie, mom. Right, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah uh yeah i truly you know, when i was a kid seeing et i did feel like like i didn't want her necessarily to necessarily be my mom but i felt like they have a cool mom yes <laughs> no they gave her a hard time you know whatever they were doing ordering pizza without her knowing or something. Oh, that's the 80s <laughs> yeah but she dressed up like a
2: cat for halloween just to give out <laughs> candy i
0: mean that's a cool mom right there
2: right on i wasn't really actually very familiar with her beyond et Yeah. didn't really know because you know horror movies well yeah she's in a lot of horror movies yeah she's yeah. a scream queen Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but as far as E.T. goes, she's the perfect mom. You know, she yep. dressed up like a cat to pass out candy, but she's completely unaware of what the kids are doing <laughs> most of the
0: time. She's an 80s mom. That's true. You're right. That kid had an alien living in her house for weeks.
1: <laughs> the closest we came was having a kid living in our house for a couple of weeks, and my mom didn't notice. So
0: That alien oh, dropped wow. dead in their house, and she didn't know. Right. Oh, and the kid is mm-hmm. getting drunk, too. Well, through E.T., I guess. Is this a checklist? Because I'm checking all these boxes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ray probably had an alien too. Probably. Ray, your positive affirmations worked. We have a new patron. Holy shit. Robert has joined us (gasps) as a Patreon supporter. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. see. I see his message in the comments now. It's working on me. (laughs) There you go. Each
2: time. Thank you so much, Robert. That's not positive affirmations. Yes, it is. As Kathy says, brainwashing. Oh, oh, boy. (laughs)
1: If yeah. you say tomato, I say tomato.
0: Oh, yeah. You know thank what, Robert? You Robert? Yeah, Robert. I don't know if that might have been a bad example to set for Ray. Hmm. No, no, you, no you, what are talking about The universe conspired. You didn't brainwash Robert. All right. Hey, let's thank our <laughs> other uh, Patreon supporters who bring the show to you every week, including John Henderson, Craig Coletta, Bart Arnold, John
2: Kaminsky, and John Reddick. And if you go to patreon.com slash 1980s now, yeah. you could... Show us your holiday spirit and support future episodes that may or may not be funny.
3: <laughs>
2: as funny as this one. <laughs> and Kathy, Kathy's a Patreon too. Yay. Yes,
0: thank you Kathy so much for your support. All right, this uh, this word this episode has been very disgusting and gross. Uh, just a lot of plugging. Why do you of, feel
1: gross? Why does mo- it feel, feel gross to ask the, people for money? I feel
0: like 80% of the content is you asking people for money now. All right. Hey. You know what? We will the not show needs money. money next time. The show time.
1: needs money.
0: On 1980s. All right. Hang on. We will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. See you. Later. <laughs>